150 years of Children's National Hospital, 150 years of groundbreaking research, of exceptional health care for kids, of helping families like mine and yours. 150 years stronger with your help. Please give today. Visit childrensnational.org slash 150 years. That's childrensnational.org slash 150 years. Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Radam Igberto. Well, is your host. I hope you guys had a wonderful weekend. I had a great weekend, a lot of meetings. We, we had a great time. I had an interview with some uh, BLM activists out here in the Woodland, Texas that made my day. I had also some um, conversations with the Houston Peace and Justice Center. Hey, by the way, folks, um, the, Peace and, the Houston Peace and Justice Center, we are looking for memberships. We need to increase our memberships at the Houston Peace and Justice Center. So if you're in Texas or outside of Texas, feel free, feel, please feel free to go to hpjc.org hpjc.org and become a part of the Houston Peace and Justice family. We've honored people from all over the country, including uh, the, 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 what's the name of the woman who, uh, the Mothers Against Guns, we've, uh, we've gotten, we've actually honored her. We've also honored uh, the author, I can't, man, my mind lately has been going. I can't remember the name of the author that ever, all of you know that we've honored. Anyhow, Welcome aboard, folks. Uh, Deb Denny got my first shot Saturday. Whoop, whoop. Thank you. We need to get to that herd immunity, though. People are doubting whether it'll happen at all. But welcome aboard, Bridge MCP, leader of the PDR Posse. Welcome aboard, Deb Rajan from L.A. Welcome aboard. And we also have, of course, IVQ, which is Rudnan, Michael Rudnan. U.S. forces begin withdrawing from Afghanistan. A nation torn by war, poverty, and anxiety. Our troops will have been in Afghanistan for 20 years by the time all actually leave there. Other than perpetuating a stalemate, what can we say we've accomplished there? Well, they'll say that women can no go to school and all of that, but I don't know that we should be concerned about building other countries when we have problems to build here as well. No, look, it's all 6-1. I mean, if you go around the world, around the world, there are pro- all kinds of problems around the world, right? And we chose Afghanistan. Uh, anyway, that's a long story, different story. U.S. forces begin withdrawing from Afghanistan. and they, no, I think I read that one already. Yeah. Manchin opposes D.C. statehood bill, likely dooming its prospects in the Senate. I'm sure the founding fathers would be proud. No taxation without representation. Just another example of Joe Manchin demonstrating he's a Democrat in name only, a dino. I don't know what he is, actually. I don't even think he's a Republican. I think he, I think they're ulterior motives. I think uh, he has a problem with love and power. He's in control right now. Police, 25, 24 shots at a handcuffed man. Why didn't they turn on their body cameras? The case of Ariane McCree illustrates the patchwork nature of police body camera policies around the country. This was a murder. There isn't a scenario in which the police could fire 24 shots at a handicapped man, and it's not being calmer. Then they also say the guy somehow with handic, with ha- he had handcuffs on and he had a gun. That's what they said, right? It's amazing. Uh, COVID doesn't discriminate by age. Serious cases on the rise in younger adults. These new variants are making an already horrendous pandemic worse. 
Herd immunity by vaccination can't come soon enough. I get my first shot the day after tomorrow. Rendon, I'm proud of you, brother. Go get your shot. Do what you got to do. Let's see. You said you wanted to put something on the screen. What is that about? Egberto, can you put us on the screen? Ted Cruz has basically admitted to taking $2.7 million in corporate bribes over nine years. Bribery used to be a crime worthy of a felony charge for now for both the politician receiving and the corporation. Let's see what that is all about. Uh, let's go ahead and put... Yeah, I think I can put that on the screen. Uh, let's go ahead and put what Rudnan is asking to put on the screen on the screen so that everybody can partake of that information. There it goes. Ted Cruz, to America's Watch Me Woke It Up, CEOs, I say. When the time comes, you need help with a tax break or regular... Oh, my God. I hadn't seen that particular tweet. Wow. Wow. That is that is almost admitting to pay for play, isn't it? Folks, listen to this. For those of you that are listening on podcasts later, Ted Cruz on April 30th wrote the following. And you know, right now, corporations are trying to, to force these states not to pass these draconian voter laws. Well, uh, here's what he had to say. To America's watch me woke it up, CEOs, I say, when the time comes that you need help with a tax break or a regulatory change, I hope the Democrats take your calls because we may not. That's a bribe. Starting now, we won't take your money either. Ha! Huh. Sure you won't take their money. Want to put a bet on that? Anyhow, continuing with the program. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, finally get a shot. Who else is here? All uh, Julie Van Astel. Hey, all. How you doing, Julie? Wide awake. Got my second shot last Thursday. I'm very happy, and I'm happy for you, wide awake. Eric Hayes. Hi, all. California possibly going to let 20,000 serving life sentences why uh, let out twenty? Why and how is this possible? Do you think um, there is a something draconianly wrong with the United States of America when, with five percent or three to five percent of the population of the world, we have such a large percentage of people in jail? You know, when when people realize that the reason we have a lot of people in jail is to support a particular system, as opposed to retraining us not for committing crimes we are doing everything wrong we're doing everything wrong with guns we're doing everything wrong with taxes we're doing everything wrong with the way we support humanity all these things we're doing wrong in the name of the type of economic system we have and our economic system put a facade of success on that too many believe until they die and realize that the way this system is you amass a lot of wealth, some of you, very few amass wealth, and most who do that lose it by the time they die because at the end of life, the system recoups it. And we're not talking about not having the, what you guys like to call the death tax, it's really the inheritance tax, which as, as far as I'm concerned should be 90% after a certain amount. Anyway, Bridge MCP. Uh, welcome, John Astell. Let's see who else is here. Paul Fleming checking in from ATL. Deborah Johnson, Egberto, how do you feel about FB? Given Trump is social media, you know exactly what that's going to do. Lord of mercy. We all know what's been behind the Capitol. Yeah, but I, I, I am of two feelings of taking away Donald Trump's ability to be on, in, on, on Facebook. I think we shouldn't allow private companies to be able to do that sort of stuff. When... 
When Facebook becomes a utility, let me tell you what I really feel about this. Facebook has become a utility. In other words, a lot of people communicate with Facebook, Instagram, and these things as a method of national communication, international communication. At that point, I think laws should take into account. If you want to keep it private, then create laws that keep it private. And I don't think, I don't like what Trump does on, on, on Facebook, but I think what Facebook needs is a policy of truth. He should have the ability to, put him, uh, to be on Facebook but when he lies, a, justif a, a, a qualified lie, Facebook should have a policy that can pull it down not only from Donald Trump, but from absolutely everybody who puts a qualified lie on the platform. They can have a policy that does that and treat everybody equal. But I don't agree with taking... But, but, but let, me, let me tell you why. Politics done right. I'm a very progressive show. We get throttled. We don't get into many, uh, we, have, we have over 70,000 between our two pages, over 70,000 people that follow us, 80,000 people that follow us. But because of the political nature of our show, we get censored, all right? We're not, they, they didn't throw us off, but we're censored. Same thing happened on other platforms. I don't think it's right. I think we should give people a choice to, to talk, to listen, as long as what we're hearing is truth. And you can, and there, there are gray areas, there are absolute lies, and there, there, there's, there are speech that can cause insurrections. And I think that is what Facebook should have the right to not just put a errata on it, but to simply delete it. That's what I'm for. Bridge MCP, Ted Luce is just admitting bribery. Yes, he is. Michael Runnin says, thanks for reading all my comments. And yeah, the crew should be in prison. Howdy, Charlie Lindahl, your stuff is playing today. In fact, I think that's what I'm going to play first. Bridge MCP, I think Trump uh, should be allowed freedom of speech. Yep, he should be held to the same standard as the rest of us. Perfecto lo que estás diciendo, Bridge MCP. I agree with you, Bridge. Uh, Julie Van Assel, anyone who plays pray, uh, pray for uh, Macy's dog, groomer, and several other employees who have tested all oh, my, my, my most positive affirmations. Nope, life sentences is life sentences, and violence is violence, and murder is murder. And those who do this don't deserve freedoms. Oh, I know it's so black and white with you, Mr. Hayes. Unfortunately, in our, in our, in our system, uh, justice is color, it's not colorblind. So while it's easy for you to say, oh, if you, if, if you got life sentence, life sentence or not, it's not quite that easy. Because if you take a look at the jails, it does not, re it does not reflect the society's criminality. Take that for what it's worth. Okay, let's see. Norman Reynolds, interesting that Lion Ted said it's plain that money controls politics in the GOP. They're not in power for the people who vote for them. We all know that. Thank you, my brother. You're right. Hmm... Eric, agree unless the life is for drugs. Well, look, I believe in legalizing all that stuff. All right, those companies are public, not private. Uh, no, uh, those companies are private companies. Oh, well, public in the, in the sense that you mean... Uh, actually, you're, um, thank you for the correction. I, 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 what we meant is, when I say private, I mean owned by the people in the private sector. But you're correct for... for Specifying the differences, uh, Eric. Michael Rudnan, Ministry of Truth, rebuttals incoming. Who determines truth from falsehood? 
fact checkers in an open forum. Yeah, but uh, there, there are certain truths that are absolute. There are things that are gray areas that we can leave alone. All right, let's go ahead. Tommy Cruz, but who is the arbiter of truth? Mr. Brother Cruz, is 1 plus 1, 2, or can 1 plus 1 equal 3? There are certain things that are absolute in life. All right, let's go ahead and play our first thing today, BLM. I spoke to two, uh, two young men in uh, Woodlands, Texas, two white guys that are the promoters of BLM out there in the Woodlands. And I want you to listen to that interview. And wouldn't you know, uh, what I did forget to do is cue up the interview. So while I try to speak to burn some time as I find the, <laughs> that interview, which I will find shortly, I want to have all you guys listen to that interview right this minute. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. I'm here with two white guys. Let me tell you why I started it this way. Because that one with a beard, he called me up and said, Egberto, why aren't you out here in the woodlands? We are having a Black Lives Matter rally. And I said, in the woodlands? And Charlie said, yeah, man, we're out here doing stuff. So anyhow, let me first introduce you guys to Charlie Lindahl and David Shantz. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Egberto, it's, it's great to be on with you. Hey, look, it's, it's great to have you. And I, I, I tell you, uh, for me, what I'm seeing here as a, as a black guy, and, you know, I, I, Charlie will tell you, Charlie and I go back a very long time. I, for the longest time, I never got into the racial politics because as a black person, I didn't want to be a black blogger or a black journalist or anything of that nature. But things have changed so much that, you know, we've all had to immerse ourselves into this domain. And Charlie told me that uh, this group out there in the woodlands, uh, a, an area that is mostly white, had a, a group of people that every, every so often, and I think you were saying every two weeks, were out there rallying with the Black Lives Matter moniker. First of all, David, tell me a little bit about yourself and tell me why you got involved. Well, I'm the, uh, I've been a member of Northwoods Unitarian Universalist Church for, for many years, over 20 years, and uh, am now the uh, chair of the Social, Economic, and Environmental Justice uh, Committee, which also includes racial justice in its purview. Mm -hmm. And this is something that um, we've had ministers uh, talk with us about and bring up of uh, racial justice. The Unitarian Universalist organization itself uh, went through kind of an internal discernment process about their own uh, hiring practices and employment practices relating to uh, racial justice and has really tried to take on a new level of anti-racism. And I was very inspired by that um, and wanted to, wanted to help, wanted to do something ourselves. And, and this is something uh, that we came up with that we could do. It's an act of public witness. Well, look, I, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Now, Charlie, you, uh, we go back a long time, as I said. And oh, yeah. one of the things I want to ask you personally, because there are several times we've had discussions on race privately. And have, you've come to me before and said, hey, do you think what I'm doing here is the right thing to do? And I've always told you, if it's coming from the heart, it's the right thing. If you're willing to learn, it's always the right thing. Uh, what gave you the passion that says, you know what, I'm this white guy 
but I want, I'm, and in fact, you used to call yourself the older white guy or something like that. I don't old know. white guy, OWG, yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's what you used to call yourself. And then uh, you said, but I want to make a difference. What got you into, I mean, you could sit down and live a comfortable life and not worry about things. Why did you want to immerse yourself in this? Well, I'll start with genetics. I come from a, a family of, of preachers and teachers. Every, and, and particularly on my on my uh, mother's side, my uh, grandfather was a, a Presbyterian minister who actually went over to uh, uh, during the war. He was a, a, a chaplain over there, and he inter and he organized one of the first interdisciplinary ministries uh, in the military uh, over in Japan uh, to get all of the faiths together to work together, all of them, and. That's one of my inspirations is my grandfather, but uh, just in general, as a, uh, I know that I can't say that I've experienced the kind of, uh, you know, racial, tr you know, treatment of uh, racism personally as a white guy, but I can as a geek. Uh, being a geek in the middle of most educational set settings where you're very socially awkward and you feel like you're, and you're ostracized a lot and you're talked about as odd and all that kind of stuff, that affected me a whole lot. And when I see this happening with racism, I'm like, this is not right, what can I do? And the short answer is, and I know David agrees with this and you do too, to me, the most important part of activism is showing up. <laughs> Believe it or not, that is true. Now. Um... Yeah, continue. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say that it, to follow on, it's it basically giving a face to the fact that we have a group in the woodlands. And I think we had, what, 25 people there the last time, David, for example? Uh, let's see. It was 18 the last time we were 18. the last time okay. we've been together. Usually it's between 10 and 20. Yeah, but the point is we're, we're actually showing our faces out in public in a very public area. We're at a, a bridge that's only a mile away from one of the richest malls in, the, in, in Texas. And letting just sitting there with signs. We're not screaming. We're not yelling. We're not doing anything crazy. We're just sitting there quietly and showing our signs and passing it to people and so forth, showing nonviolence, showing that there are people in the woodlands that support, the, that understand the need for things to change. Now let it me ask like you. Small, that's it. Yeah, let me ask David this, um, because you know one of the things is understanding um, that there is a problem. The other thing is being able to um, empathize with the problem and understand why these issues arise. What do you see, David, as the problem in the country racially right now? Um, the, I, I think that as uh, from, from a, the white perspective on this, that we have to recognize, um, well, I was uh, raised and went through the times of, uh, it was just after the civil rights movement. Mm. And the point of that time was um, that, we that we shouldn't see color, that we're all the same and we wanna be equal. And when we tried that for a good long time and made some progress with it, changed some laws, but it became apparent, uh, particularly after, um, during and after the Obama administration, that us white folks, we see color immediately before we even think about it. So. Um, Egberto, you as a black man don't get to choose whether I see you as black or not. I see you that way immediately before I think about it. So um, 
the problem right now is to for us uh, as white people to internalize that we see color and we do treat people differently and that we can take action to uh, to uh, resist that we have to actively push back against our culture in order to be anti-racist. Um, if you just go along to get along, you, uh, you're complicit in the racism that happens today. Uh, so we have to push back. I am so happy you talked about the first time, you know, you see me, you see, the first thing you see is that graphic. I'm a black man. The first thing I see of you is you're a white person or whatever. And there are, there are adjustments that's made right there. I go into a white establishment. I, I know that I'm going to be followed and I behave accordingly. All of us have, have learned a particular pattern of behavior because of how we were culturized. Now, earlier, Charlie, you talked about being a, a, a geneticist or, or having genetic knowledge, knowledge of genes. And I I, I don't want to bring this too much into the argument, but the reason I'm bringing that in is that we all know that race is a social construct. Mm -hmm. uh, your intelligence, my intelligence on all of that has very little to do with pigmentation, but has a whole lot more to do with culturization, etc. We know that. Sure. Um, how do you think it is best with what you guys are doing mm -hmm. to actually put that into play, that people understand that? as opposed to uh, them uh, following on to that first reaction that came to them from the time they were culturized through or advertising and everything else. In other words, how do we get rid of using the carnal brain and, 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 and going forward from there? Well, first of all, as, as David kind of, kind of uh, or as David stated, being aware of it, that's the first thing. The second thing is, how do you start to fix things? And the first place to start, and I know this sounds like platitudes, but I'll just go ahead and say it. You hit, the place to start is yourself. So for example, I'm over in, uh, and I've seen a number of times that this has happened. Uh, I'll be in a long line at somewhere, I don't care, grocery store, store, whatever, whatever. And I see an older black person uh, or just a black person behind me and I just say, here, you go first. Just a simple courtesy thing. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type two collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the Stretch and Flex smoothie and tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. And a lot of times they kind of look at me like, okay, and they go. Or I'm waiting in a, I'm waiting in a line that's not very well defined and the clerk looks at me and says, okay, what do you want? And I go, oh no, look at them first. Just very, very simple stuff. Uh, like that. 
I tell you something, Charlie. I, I want to interrupt you because I mean that you know you you just said that is very simple stuff, right? Yeah. But it those are the little things that uh, black folk actually have to. You, you just meant the, the first one. I get the second one is even more profound. Why? Yeah. If I go, in, I've gone into stores first, and yeah. somebody like you come into the store, and immediately you got the privilege to be right. first. Exactly. And you acknowledge that, and you tell the person, "Hey, that is not that is not what happened. Let's all be fierce." I mean, that is, that is, those little things, and I'm glad you actually said that, because yeah. people don't get that. It's not always the big things. The big things are systemic and structural. Redlining is systemic and structural. The way police officers deal with black bodies are systemic and structural. But there yeah. are the little things that, as you just said, the average person can do. You want to build up on that, David? Um, yeah, I think it's, it's maybe not so much about being, uh, well, polite, certainly, but not extra nice, but uh, noticing when we take yeah. that internally yeah. first, noticing your own reaction yeah. and yeah. Not, not judging it, but noticing your own reaction mm -hmm. and then being aware of, of how other people are reacting so that, yeah, if that clerk, if you've got a, the black person approaching the counter and the clerk is looking past them to you as mm -hmm. the white person, mm -hmm. then um, then you defer and say, oh, no, you were here first. And you, and doesn't necessarily have to be a racial discussion, but that you have noted um, to yourself and to them that they weren't seeing. So it's, it's very much about seeing. That, I mean, I, I'm, you know, there, there, there are people who've written about the, the, the invisibility of being black. So uh, that, that is a lot in that concept. Well, I, I tell you what, tell us a little bit about um, your mark or, or your rallies that you do in, 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 uh, in the woodlands and how do you publicize it and what do you want to accomplish for it? How long are you going to do it? Tell us a little bit about that. Go ahead, um, the, That's a, um, uh, a, uh, a good segue there because um, Ibrahim X. Kendi said that the difference between a demonstration as a pro and a protest is sustained effort. Mm. Uh, that uh, our, our will is to keep doing this until something changes. And we've been doing it for a year now. Mm. Uh, so we come out every two weeks. Um, this is, it's mostly church-based, but we actually publicize to some other groups. I want to give a specific shout out to uh, Sheree McWilliams. Uh, she has a, a Facebook page for Black Lives Matter, um, attracts attention of all kinds. Uh, and she has come out with us on several occasions and, and shared with us. Uh, we also have folks coming out from the Woodlands Coalition for Equality. Um, and anybody that's sympathetic is willing to join us. Mm -hmm. Anybody that's not sympathetic is willing, to, is, is certainly welcome to have a dialogue with us as long as yeah. Uh, as we're all uh, comfortable and civil. And I, I think that's, uh, we're, we're prepared for that. We are uh, performing an act of public witness. So we're out there for that. Excellent. I'll put all the information about uh, your event in the blog that goes along with this as well. Charlie, what do you want to add to that? Oh, what I wanted to say is that, um, let's see, where, where was I going with that? Um, well, while you oh, think the, prepara the preparation, we have preparation. We have a lot of discussion ahead of time saying what happens if we run across somebody that's been, you know, that's openly hostile, how do we handle it? And we, we have been, we have rehearsed what will happen there. We're going to make sure that we do not react with the anger. We do not react with, you know, we don't push back with any kind of, you know, name calling or anything like that. 
And we also very much are aware of our legal rights, both in the state and locally and in the woodlands. What are we allowed to do? We only do it on this particular bridge. That is a public space, period, end of story. So we've done our homework in terms of preparation in case something should happen, which so far it hasn't. Well, look, I want to close this by asking you two guys, as two white guys, a very, a very important, first of all, very important question. Right now, in order to, to divide and separate folks, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the right has targeted white men, white mm -hmm. young men, white older men. And what they're trying to do is because white men have been the dominant factor in our economic structure and just about every part of our structure, mm -hmm. they want you to feel like you're losing something by others gaining something. Mm -hmm. What can both of you, what can your movement do to make sure that that isn't cauterized into the minds of white boys that are coming up? Because that is a sort of message that they're getting to these guys. Hey guys, these guys are trying to take your birth right away. Let's start with you, David. Um, that, this is very, very important, Egberto. Um, we, uh, the, the first principle of Unitarian Universalism is that every person has inherent worth and dignity. In short, all lives matter. Mm -hmm. um, what, we're, what we're about is that all lives will matter when everyone is treated with the same dignity and respect, and that's not happening now. If there's one thing that I would want my, my, uh, my skin folk, my uh, uh, other white men like me to understand is that this is not a zero sum game. Mm -hmm. Like you've been told over and over, this is not a zero sum game. By lifting up people who've been oppressed, in this case, black people, um, we release ourselves from that burden of playing the role of the oppressor. Mm -hmm. that it is good for us it's good for everybody yes different people will different will benefit differently but everyone is lifted up when we oppose oppression charlie well one of the things i'd like to suggest and this is by the way i know you express this in your book as well uh going back to zero-sum game thing uh also is whenever you're dealing with someone that apparently doesn't agree with you, what you try and do is find points of agreement. And here's the point of agreement. I, as a white person, know that I am, that I'm giving something up. I know it. And I freely do it. I am willing to share. I have more than enough for myself. I am absolutely and, and great and uh, happily will give up some of my, my power. Privilege privilege, whatever, to help others. I have so much of it. I have plenty to spare. I don't mind giving it away. And that I, counters that argument about, oh, they're taking it away. Yes, they are. I am giving it to them. Here's I want why. To, I, I want to add a corollary to that because it's important. Thank and you. the corollary to giving up the privilege mm -hmm. is uh, you are really giving up what all of us should yeah. really have in other yeah. words it shouldn't be thought of as i have the i have the right to give you the privilege but yes what it is supposed to be as Agreed. long as as long as we see it that way look i agree David chance and charlie lindell my my brother from another mother uh <laughs> it's been my pleasure to have 
both of you on uh, politics done right. I think what you're doing makes for a better world and you're improving where we are at at this point. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you for having us. Thank you. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that, uh, uh, both David and Charlie. And we, we are blessed that Charlie is in the room with us uh, today. Charlie is one of our uh, wonderful supporters as well. And, um, you know, very, very good guy. You know, we just surround ourselves by good people, those on the left and the right that are in, in, in here with us. What we need to do, though, is make sure to go around and spread the word and not only that, share the darn program. Let's make sure people see this thing. Anyhow, folks, um, I have a lot of videos to show you, but beforehand, before before Bridge MCP gets on my case and say, Berto, you haven't done the, the, the PDR Posse yet, we're going to do the PDR Posse. Folks, please, if you are on YouTube, please go ahead and click that join button. We need members. We need our YouTube supporters to come in strong. So please come in strong over the weekend. We got a few in, but we need a ton more. So please, if you don't, if you, if you see the join button on your YouTube channel, please click the join button. If you uh, don't see that or if you're on Facebook or somewhere else, please go to politicsdoneright.com. PoliticsDoneRight.com slash YouTube, PoliticsDoneRight.com slash YouTube, and you can become a part of the uh, PDR Posse. Likewise, we love our, oh, before I do that, I always forget this, but we have these great folk out here. Where is, where are those cups? You know, I think, yeah, I, I installed some new, so oh, there it is, there are the cups. Those of you who are part of the PDR Posse, we also have a cup designed by Bridge MCP or PDR Posse leader. There's that cup. Uh, you can actually get that cup. And let me go ahead and put the link to that cup on the screen as, is it here? Yeah, there it is. There is the link to get the cup. Uh, and you see all the people that have gotten the cups that's right there on the screen. Now, you can also support us via becoming a Patreon. Uh, Patreon, all these... All the ways of supporting us is very secure, folks, very secure. Uh, I don't see most of the stuff most of the times, except if, you, if you're uh, getting some of the stuff from our store where I have your, your stuff. There it is, politicsandright.com slash Patreon, politicsandright.com slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. We need a lot of patrons. We also need members at PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. And, of course, you can support us by getting our book. How do you get our book? That particular book on the screen is called It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors. And the link, I've just placed the link on the screen. But if you want to get rid of the middle person, you can go directly to politicsandright.com slash store, politicsandright.com slash store. And you know what? Since we have a lot of books, right? I just created a new aggregate. So you can go to politicsandright.com slash books. Just politicsandright.com slash books. And all the books that we have are listed there. Okay, let's get busy. Tiffany Cross really let Tim Scott have it. And I loved it. So I'll just go ahead and play that and let's get busy. Last time talking about Tim Scott with respect to his comments about America is not a racist country. But you know who handled him very well? You know who handled the topic as it should have been? Tiffany Cross at the Cross Connection. Check it out. Let's take it on the other side. 
This week, the sole black Republican in the Senate sounded a stone fool when he said this. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. Okay, let's be clear. Tim Scott does not represent any constituency other than the small number of sleepy, slow-witted sufferers of Stockholm Syndrome who get elevated to prominence for repeating a false narrative about this country that makes conservative white people feel comfortable. Because when you speak an uncomfortable truth, like Nicole Hannah-Jones, the party that Scott's claims is not racist gets big mad and tries to silence you. Just this week, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell asked Education Secretary Miguel Cardona to scrap teaching the 1619 Project in schools because it would reorient the view of American history. Lucky for McConnell, he has his own tap dancer to try and reorient the view of America for him. There were so many contradictions in the senator's speech that it was clear not even Scott believed the words he was speaking. I could go into great detail refuting each of his asinine points, but he did that for me. And moreover, a lesson I've learned, don't argue with people Harriet Tubman would have left behind. And sure, Tim Scott has spoken out about his encounters with law enforcement and he co-sponsored the anti-lynching bill in the Senate, but there are two sides to every token. So thirsty for white approval, this dude actually stood on the national stage to defend the voter suppression law in Georgia, even though, as of last month, 361 bills were being introduced in 47 states to keep people who look like him out of the ballot box. The ability to shame the ancestors and appease the oppressors all in one speech, that's extreme. Though not quite like the domestic violent extremism that the Department of Homeland Security is investigating within its own ranks, mind you. But please, Senator, say more about how unracist the country is while you trot out that tired line about going from cotton to Congress to clown. Perhaps this was merely Senator Scott's audition to be Sam Jackson's understudy in the film Django, because as a descendant of the enslaved and damn near a daily survivor of institutional racism, I can assure you the question, is America a racist country, is one that has been asked and answered many times over. Yet we still love America, not for what it was, but for what it could be. On this one, you're not only on the wrong side of the aisle, Senator Scott, but you're embarrassingly on the wrong side of history as well. Who could have said it any better? The truth of the matter is that Tim Scott knows better. You know, right after Tim Scott's speech, I wrote the following. You remember what was trending? What was trending is Uncle Tim, Uncle Tim. And, you know, uh, some, some people in the progressive intelligentsia, they kind of got upset of all the folks that were using the moniker. I really didn't care. But what I wrote was the following. Interesting. Tim Scott is more dangerous with his misinformation than real Candace Owen because he comes across as serious. He is not the Uncle Tom many call him. He is willing to be used by the GOP and the plutocracy to maintain the status quo. Tim Scott is now a proven official Trump sycophant. The GOP used you, Tim. And for you to claim that America is not a racist country destroys your credibility. You gave evil people cover. I am I'm embarrassed for you, including your take on the Georgia bill that stopped many people who are of your persuasion from having easy access to the ballot. 
The question you have to ask yourself is at what cost are you doing what you're doing, holding the water for the GOP? At what cost to POCs? At what cost? Because you will bear the brunt for it. Nobody is saying that everybody in America is racist. But ingrained within America is racism from redlining to its utter creation and until you realize that we are making a better America but you cannot make a better America if you do not understand the truth of what America was what America is if we understand those we can make America what America could be the America that all of us have always dreamed it would be absolutely so i'm going to go to the uh, to the other one uh, with uh, w what this former republican has to say about his party actually he's still a republican many republicans honest republicans republicans that most of us disagree with they are finally seeing the light more than seeing the light they're outspoken about it with the expectation that others will listen. I want you to listen to Miles here. Good Republican. Listen to what he has to say, then we'll take it on the other side. So something that you keep saying, uh, the Republican Party has become, uh, and I'm saying the Republican Party has always been. You know, we can totally parse Ronald Reagan's record on these things. And, you know, yeah, he made that comment, but he also, his policies were incredibly damaging, incredibly damaging to black people and other people of color in this country. So I, I want to drill in, hone in on that because I, I do think that's part of the problem, right? Like there are these ideological differences and everyone wants to say, oh, Trump turned the party this way. The party has always been this way. So again, I'm curious from you, Miles, knowing that these things exist uh, you know you're you're somebody who uh, wanted to be able to say to your kids you donated to the first black president you contributed to, to Barack Obama the principles that you echo I, I do still think run contrary to um, the support and and health and, and benefit of people of color in this country how do you reconcile those two things well, look, I'd say the Republican Party was born as the party of Lincoln, right, that, lead, that freed slaves around this country. And, of course, there's been periods where the party's become uh, one that's, that's xenophobic. And I think we're seeing that period again. I mean, you and I, Tiffany, would disagree on the history of the Republican Party. I'd say the reason that Ronald Reagan was elected in a historic landslide is that people saw that his efforts to cut regulation and empower the people were actually benefit, benefiting people all across the country. But I think the important thing now, Tiffany, is not the civil and constructive dialogue you and I are able to have about disagreements between Democrats, traditional Democrats and traditional Republicans. It's we're now fighting about absolutely fundamental uh, aspects of our country, commitment to democracy, rule of law, the Constitution. Those are things that Republicans stand against now, and that's what's terrifying. So you and I should continue to debate whether traditional Republican or traditional Democratic policies are better for America. But far more important debate right now is at least one of those parties, the Republican Party, no longer agrees in the middle ground about foundational unifying things that should bring this country together. Terrifying. And I would end with saying right now, the biggest anti-democratic force in this country and the biggest danger to our republic is actually the Republican Party of today itself. That's why it needs to be reformed. And that's one place where I think Democrats 
and rational, principled Republicans on the center right can come together and say, we've got to save our country from this. We've got to rebuild the political center, and we need a common sense coalition once again in the United States. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. Like I've said several times, the Republican Party has become a clear and present danger to the United States. The fact that they cannot really all condemn an insurrection, the fact that they cannot really tell the truth about anything anymore, the fact that they are unwilling to have a true discussion on real issues. In other words, we are talking about what type of policies we want to make the lives better of the middle class and the poor. They're speaking about cancel culture. They're talking about books and, and, and catalogs and, and issues that really have nothing in common with what the average person needs. So here, here's the thing. Uh, when a party reaches this stage, two things can happen. We can go down into turmoil if people don't take a stand and good for Miles that he's taking a stand on, on the party or it becomes a completely defunct party in which case we have a one party system and that isn't good for America either we need to have a discussion of ideas and ideas must be tested so let's hope that people those people who are questioning the GOP right now those people who are checking to make sure that we're not going to sit back and, uh, and just take it, that these people will see the better light and bring back a conservative party that is worth having a discussion with. All right, folks, I have two more videos, but I only have about 10, 12 minutes left. And I think I prefer to use that time to talk about what you guys have been talking about on the line here. So let me go ahead and do that. I'm going to scroll up because it seems like you guys are having a much more fun discussion. And we can actually uh, move the, the other videos to the other side uh, to tomorrow. Okay, Charlie uh, Lindahl says, to answer Restream Bot, hopefully when I'm in the minority. Oh, I know. Let me start from where. Um, Paul has an interesting question. The question that haven't been asked is, why, what would you feel like you've lost when people of color are the majority? And if you are a prolific watcher, listener of Politics Done Right, I did bring somebody on, a, a friend of mine actually that lives in my neighborhood, and uh, she wanted to have a discussion about what was going on in her very white church, and she wanted, she, she wanted to talk to me in confidence, and we spoke in confidence, and the conversation was so good, I asked her for permission that we do this 
you know, that I could tape it. And she allowed me to put the video on, and I played that for you guys a few months ago. And that question, I didn't have to bring it up. She brought it up voluntarily. She said she loved living in an integrated community. She said she loved living that her that she had neighbors were that were of color and neighbors that are of different ethnicities, etc. But then she said, "Look, I'm a product of the South, and I'm sorry that she said she's a product of the South because she should just say she's a product of America." Or maybe a product of the Western world. And she said, I said to myself, there is something that I would have had to feel about this. And she said she started to interrogate herself. And she said, you know what? I think would have been the only difference, Egberto. I think at the point that I became uh, a minority. In other words, she said, I think it would be different if I suddenly became the minority in the neighborhood. And I, this is a nice woman. Nice woman. And the fact that she sat down and talked to me really meant a lot to me, right? And then I asked her why. And she didn't know why at first. And then she said, she kept on thinking. And then she said, maybe because I think at that point, maybe they wouldn't like me. Or maybe you could see in her a fear that the sins of her forefathers may have had those uh, same sins apply on her. And I don't remember if I told her this on air or I told her this behind the scenes. But the truth of the matter is that is generally not the case. South Africa is a perfect example, right? South Africa didn't say, wow, now black folk is in political power and we're going to do all that is necessary to, 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 to redo all the bad things they've done upon us. You know, if that's what you want, you'll never, things never work out, right? So, I mean, and I, and I think if you take a look at how America has worked, that's not the issue. That is mostly uh, within the psyche of those who feel that way, in my humble opinion, Paul. But we can talk about that later. Charlie has an interesting answer. Charlie says, Hopefully when I'm in the minority, I will be treated as I have treated others when they were in the minority. And as a friend of Charlie Lindahl, as a personal friend of Charlie Lindahl, I can actually say that, uh, you know, uh, Charlie has been a, a, a good person, you know, uh, a real good person from the time I knew him. What do you feel like people of color would do, Paul Fleming, when they have power that would ch change your life? I think that uh, I, I think I don't think that was addressed to me. I've treated them with respect and kindness, and I hope they would treat me that same. And that is exactly what history has proven. History has actually borne that out. History has borne that out. Why aren't more people that support left political uh, stuff not critical of FV and other f financialist support? Um, hey, Eric, when you make statements like that, make sure you know what you're talking about, my brother, because just today. I came out and I said Facebook was wrong. Not that I don't get any support from Facebook, but I said Facebook was wrong for throwing Donald Trump off. I mean, even though deep inside I was glad that he was thrown off, my ethically, my my morality says that it wasn't the right thing to do. You know. Uh, okay, let's continue. Uh, let's see what else I've got here. Um, I listen to MSNBC and CNN to get the news. But I try very hard to filter out the crap. And that's how you have to listen to all news like that. I can actually listen to Fox News. And there is there are times that Fox News has good information. Some, you know, Mike Wallace sometimes 
um, give good information. You know, not all the time he's bad. Norman says, the question is not if America is racist, but what would be difference in America if it were racist? What, what would be the difference in America if it were racist? The answer is little to nothing, which by definition says it is. So <laughs> you're being psychological, brother Norman. Uh, let's see, Eric. I know uh, let, that's not for me. Why? That's, let's continue. Let's go. My, Paul Fleming says Tim thinks it's his party. Tim thinks that they'll push him to be president someday, but they'll do to him what they did to Michael Steele. Michael Steele was always a joke to the party. Michael Steele is not a joke, but to the party, Michael Steele was always a joke. Michael Steele is a very intelligent person, but they treated him as a token. Right after Obama won. They needed to put a. They, they thought they needed to put show that they were also because they were going to come back at Obama so hard. They thought that they had to have a black man leading the charge for the Republican Party. Otherwise, they needed to. They couldn't have hit, or they probably felt they couldn't have hit Obama as hard as they did. Julie Van Astel says, "Don't underestimate the GOP. They'll nominate a black candidate that they can control." Just prove they're not racist. You're, you hit it on the nail. Desert Claire, welcome aboard. GOP plan is to lie the way to power. They will follow Trump's example, promise left populist policies, but deliver none. Then let the right-wing vast propaganda machine cover their lies with more crafted lies. That is the formula, Desert Claire. And for that, today, you won the message of the day. Desert Claire. Uh, Michael Rodney, Egberto, I think there should be four parties in this country, green, progressive left, neoliberal establishment, Democrats, conservatives, and Trumpsters. Yep. Now, neoliberal establishment is not just Democrats, though, uh, Michael Rodney. Neoliberal establishment is also the, 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 the moderate Republicans. Uh, Lee Grant, we need an Egberto-approved Republican Party. No, just a sensible one, Brother Grant. Uh, please define discussion on what looks like uh, to you because if you force policy and others things, how is that fair? Okay, let, let's, let's talk about force policies. If there's a policy out there that says, people, we are going to give all the monies to corporations, give them tax breaks as people are starving, and you tell me, wait for Republicans to say, uh, we want a, bi a bipartisan agreement to feed the poor? Hell no. If one side is canceled and disregarded, how can there even be a dialogue? Or No, one side, neither side has to be canceled. You cancel yourself. When you have 67 of Americans wanting the progressive policies that Joe Biden is supporting, which means 33% don't, and Mitch McConnell, you know what? You're going, no, I don't have enough time. And Mitch McConnell come out and says, we're absolutely not touching the, that tax bill that we passed through reconciliation with no Democratic support. You can't follow that. Again, look, stop looking through the colored glasses and try to look. Look, I am a very progressive person, believe in progressive policies, but I don't see the world through colored glasses. I don't cater my message to my progressiveness. I cater my message to true, false, and what is best for humanity. And if somebody comes and they gives me, give me a better idea, I don't filter that idea through my progressive values. I adapt the idea. 
and make it progressive. I adapt the idea and then, uh, then it becomes progressive because that's the definition of progressive. Making things better, progress, moving forward. So if a conservative comes up with an idea that is a lot better than mine, that in effect and that me adapting it makes it progressive. Why? Because I'm not stuck in my ways. I'm not conserving my ways. I am progressing to what's best. That's what defines a progressive. You get it? It's not like me just saying, okay, take a conservative idea. No, it's progressive. No. In, t in a progressive taking an idea from elsewhere, that makes that idea progressive because they are willing to change while progressives are status quo. No learning. Status quo. That's the definition of conservative. Conserve what we got. Conserve how things are. Understand that, folks. Okay, let's see what else we got here that's, that's not a conversation. Bri says, should the United States acknowledge and openly lament the fact that white supremacy played a significant role in the country's founding? Uh, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, Joe Biden's pick as the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. Think so. I read that. I, I actually played that. So does uh, Biden himself both have spoken openly uh, of their conviction that racism was woven into the fabric of the American life when the nation first came together and persists today? Both envision the U.S. as an imperfect union that constantly needs improvement. That is what we have to acknowledge. America was formed on a on a the, the constitution was a racist document i mean i'm sorry it hurts some people because they they want to worship the constitution like they worship their bible or their quran or their 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 uh, torah or whatever don't the constitution was just a document written by flawed men that had their flawed ridiculous ideas like some people are better than others some are human and some less human. That's who our founders were. And while there are good things that they've done, they didn't create a democracy. They didn't create something to really democratize the system. They created a document to keep themselves in power. Those with land and power and those with... They, they created a class system. Now, were there good things? There's a lot of good things in there. But were there bad things? Hell yes. And when you get honest, it's amazing when you get honest what you can then accomplish. Learn that, folks. Uh, Deb Denny, I was a minority student for half a school year when I was young. My black schoolmates were more welcoming to me than my white schoolmates ever were. I mean, I, I, you hear that all of the times. And, and it has to do that if you are from a culture that has felt pain, you understand that you don't want that other person. If you're an empathetic person, you don't want that person to have felt the pain that you feel felt. It's like I tell my daughter, the reason she gets mad at me for always telling her, don't do this, don't do that, or whatever. And I said, I don't want you to have to feel the pain that I felt. And that's why it isn't that, oh, black people are better because if a white person come into their environment, they treat them well. While if a black person go into a white environment, they don't. No. Black people in general, blacks and others, I shouldn't just say black people, they have acknowledged the pain and they know what it feels like. And if you're a good person, you know, and that's why I look and I say, I'll take the pain. Uh, I'll, I'll take the pain because we understand pain. And my friends, my white brothers and sisters, do you think I want you to feel the crap that I've had to go through all through my life? I don't wish that on my worst enemy. 
but I would like for you to empathize because you know what you talk about when I'm not around. You know the things that many of your peers feel when I'm not around. So when we are honest about these issues, we can do so much more. Okay, I got to get out of here. Tom C., as a progressive, I feel like a minority in my own neighborhood. Have to be careful that I don't always say that what I think. Fortunately, the majority can't tell who I am by the color of my skin. But here's the deal, Tom. You still can make a difference because you don't have to just outright come out and say, I am a liberal, I'm progressive, I believe in progressive ideas. You can actually steer conversations. You can ask questions. I talk a lot about that in my book, right? You don't have to go out there and demand, why are you so evil? Why are you so dumb? Why? No, you can go out there and say, now tell me, what would your solution be? What do you think about these? Or, or even when, if, if you hear them say negative things about your, your Latino friends or whatever, your black friends or whatever, you know, um, I've noticed after being, hand, being with these people that, um, you know, I, I, I think a lot of times we don't really understand what's really going on. I mean, there are ways to approach the conversation that doesn't really attack them, those racists or those conservatives that bring them into the fold. Like the guy I told you I got to write that, 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 that thing that suddenly turned into, I now love immigration. Wow, I live in a majority white, Julie Van Asdel, I live in a majority, hey, Roberto Lewis, that's why the show's named Politics and Right. You got that right, brother. Uh, Julie Van Asdel says, I live in a majority white neighborhood, but we have a wonderful mixed race family across the street that includes the father's black white mom and her white parents. That's how I envision progress. And, and it's, it's, it's there, it's coming. Michael Egberto, you know I'd say the same about the Bible, old and new, the Quran. Flawed men using Bronze Age. Of course, of course, I agree. All right, I got to get out of here, guys. Thank you so kindly for having been here. Please remember to go and uh, if you are on YouTube, click that join button, become a part of our posse. Please go to Patreon and support us on Patreon as well, P-A-T-R-E-O. And that is Patreon right there that I put right there. You can also contribute to us via PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. Or if you're not on YouTube but you want to join the posse on YouTube, politicsandright.com slash YouTube, politicsandright.com slash YouTube. All right, folks, I got to run to the mailbox right now. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Love you guys, and I don't mean that false stuff that you hear from people. You have to develop a love for humanity in a way that you really start to impart the real kind of change. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right, and you know how I end this, baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join. I'm Robert Conti, Chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. Unfortunately, traffic fatalities are up in the district and I need your help to reverse this trend. Seatbelt save lives and reduce the risk of death or injury. Click it or tick it. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
but we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.